Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and this is the 1853 podcast, a weekly program in which we tell you about the people, events, programs, and history that make Monmouth an outstanding National Liberal Arts College. And we try to get that done in about 18 minutes and 53 seconds. In this 24th edition of the 1853 podcast of Monmouth's 2018-19 school year, we'll preview several big talks that are coming up on campus. We'll also hear from the latest artist whose fascinating work is now on display in the Everett Gallery. Before we move into this week's program, a few notes about upcoming events taking place on campus over the next several weeks. Between now and the end of March, four great lectures will be offered at Monmouth. Later in the podcast, we'll hear more about three of them. The fourth one is the Donald B. McMullen Lecture in Biology. That will be given on Monday, March 25. This year's McMullen Lecture in Biology will be given by the ecologist Samuel Sweet. He's a researcher and a professor at the University of California at Santa Barbara. His talk is called Fire Management and the Future of Southern California's Sky Islands. It will be given at 7 in the evening on Monday, March 25, in the Pati Auditorium, which of course is on the first floor of the Center for Science and Business. The talk is free and open to the public, and if you're on campus early, be sure to drop by room 276 of the Center for Science and Business. That's where at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on March 25, Professor Sweet will talk about the origin of sea snakes. A little later in the podcast, you'll hear from artist Sandra Williams. The University of Nebraska art professor has a fascinating show. It's called Wild Things, Nature and Social Imagination, It's now on display in the Everett Gallery, which of course is on the upper floor of the Hughes Library. The show runs through April 7, and you can read more about it in the news section of the Monmouth College website. That address is monmouthcollege.edu slash news. And another reminder to get your tickets now for Monmouth's upcoming production of the Lionel Bart classic stage musical, Oliver. The show, which is co-produced by the Buchanan Center for the Arts, will be presented April 11 through April 14 in the Wells Theater on the Monmouth College campus. To get tickets, just go to the Monmouth Theater homepage. That address is monmouthcollege.edu slash theater, and that's theater spelled R-E. Sam Thompson was one of the giants in Monmouth College history. A 1924 Monmouth graduate, he served in his alma mater's philosophy department for 46 years after he earned a master's degree and a doctorate in philosophy from Princeton University. Most notable among the many publications he published over the years were two popular textbooks, A Modern Philosophy of Religion and The Nature of Philosophy. Thompson died in 1983, but one of the many ways in which he is memorialized on this campus is through the Samuel M. Thompson Lecture. This year, however, there's a bonus philosophy lecture, and both talks will be given by Thompson's former Monmouth College students. 
and Gary, who's a member of the Monmouth College class of 1965, will deliver this year's Thompson Lecture. That will be at 7 p.m. on Monday, March 18, in the Morgan Room in Poling Hall. The next day, on March 19, 1957, Monmouth graduate Charles Courtney. He's a past Thompson lecturer. He's returning to campus to hear Gary's talk, so he's going to deliver a lecture on philosophy and social justice at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on March 19 in the Patti Auditorium, of course, on the first floor of the Center for Science and Business. Both talks are free and open to the public. Monmouth philosophy professor Ann Maymary says that both Gary and Courtney both followed Thompson's career path by becoming philosophy professors. So Sam Thompson also went to Monmouth College, and um, I always say to Mark Wilhart that he majored in English, and then he came to his senses and did something infinitely more practical, got, got a PhD in philosophy, and then he came back and taught at Monmouth for decades, and when he died, his daughters funded both a writing contest for students and the Thompson Lecture in his memory. I never met him, but I feel like in a way I, I have met him a little bit through Anne and through Charles and, and people who did know him. I think it does speak volumes about his legacy. Charles Courtney is a professor emeritus at Drew University in Madison, New Jersey. As Anne points out, Charles has done more than simply teach philosophy on the college level. When he speaks at Monmouth on March 19, he'll draw upon the Monmouth-Knox College rivalry, one of the oldest athletic rivalries in U.S. college athletics. Yeah, so Charles, in addition to being a philosopher, or maybe because he's a philosopher, and I, you know, when, I, when he came out here once and we were talking about Thompson's vision for philosophy at Monmouth, it made sense why it was a good fit for me, because it's not, he's not, in addition to being a philosopher and activist, it's because he's a philosopher an activist. So he was the president of the NGO, the Fourth World Movement, which deals with um, extreme poverty around the world. So he was uh, president of the American chapter. He's also done research on Jane Addams and her social uh, progress work. Um, so his talk now is thinking about the idea of tribe, which sometimes is really important. And we're part of a group and that gives us strength and courage and identity. But sometimes people define themselves as I'm part of this tribe because I'm not part of your tribe, right? So his talk is tribe or human do we have to choose? And he was thinking about when the fighting Scots meet the prairie fire, do we have an immolation? That is, do we burn each other to the ground? Do we have to say I'm from Monmouth because I'm not from Knox or vice versa? Or do we have a barbecue? So I think, I mean, I don't know the content of the lecture, but I'm guessing knowing Charles that he's thinking we can say I'm a fighting Scot in part because you're Prairie Fire, not in opposition to you, but that we need multiple identities working together uh, to make us both stronger. So the, the image on the poster of the, the marshmallows roasting over a, a Prairie Fire, I kind of like that image. Anne Gary is Professor Emerita at the California State University, Los Angeles, where she was the founding director of the Center for the Study of Gender and Sexualities. Anne says that Anne Gary remains very active in her field as well. So Anne Gary, um, you know, she's retired, sort of. <laughs> um, she, Hypatia, the Journal of Feminist Philosophy, had a controversy a few years ago about some um, transgender issues. One of Anne's areas of research is about intersectionality. So thinking about race and gender and class and sexuality and age and so on, um, as not separate from each other. They're not additive, they're, well, intersectional. <laughs> and each one of us has all of those things, but they affect us differently depending on, on who we are. 
So she was a logical choice when Hypatia had this problem to become interim editor. And until about a month ago, she was in that position. So we were negotiating her arrival times at Monmouth while she was training the new editor to take over Hypatia. So she's uh, very active still in philosophy and in feminist philosophy in particular. And so her talk is about intersectionality. And she wants to know about our discipline. Is philosophy, even feminist philosophy, equipped to deal with intersectionality? I, was just, I, I sort of met Anne by accident, too. She came several years ago to homecoming and came to Meaning of Life lunch. And we were sitting next to each other and got chatting. And I said, one day you have to come over and give the Thompson lecture. And and she's been interested, and as soon as I asked her, she said yes. And, but also being humble, she said, well, shouldn't Charles do it first because he's older than I am? And I said, he's already done it, and we want you, and she was very happy to come. Located in the stately Weeks House on the eastern edge of the Monmouth College campus, the Department of Philosophy and Religious Studies is one of the more active academic departments at the college. Well, I think in addition to having the most beautiful offices on campus, we have the best department on campus. I'm not just saying that because I'm, I'm part of it. I mean, I think um, everybody in my department, and, and there, there have been several people in the time that I've been here who, who aren't here anymore, but including them as well, um, are A, devoted to the students, absolutely. Um, the idea of meeting them where they are. And then I think we're also really committed to taking them someplace else, places they hadn't imagined before or didn't think about before. And I think I can speak for my colleagues that they also sometimes take us to places that we hadn't considered before. So it's really this mutual partnership. And I think right now I can brag about the students we had in our first ever senior seminar since I've been here. Usually we don't have enough students to have an actual seminar, so we do independent studies for their capstones. So there were six philosophy students, three religious studies students, and three peace, ethics, and social justice studies minors. I know that comes up to 12, but one of them was a philosophy major and a PESJ minor. So we had the senior seminar, and we were a writing workshop, and all five of the professors who they've had since they've been here came and shared their writing. And it was so exciting to have them sharing ideas with each other. They, they did the research, brought readings for the class, and also they critiqued our writing. So each one of us went with a draft of a, a project and the final version, and the students were the critics. So put them in that position of saying, here's how I think this works, and here's where I think it doesn't work, and here's a question I have about your process. And I think that's kind of emblematic of our department. You know, working with students, sometimes because, not because we're smarter, but because we can maybe read better, because we've had more years of experience. But then by the time they're seniors, um, we're sharing this project together. So that's a kind of classroom stuff, but that spills over into... I think our commitment to social justice and thinking about our place as citizens, not just of the college, but of the world. Um, you know, so one thing that Plato said was that the, the person is sort of a microcosm of the city, which is a microcosm of the, of the heavens, of the starry skies above us. And I, I think maybe our department lives up to that ideal. That's Monmouth philosophy professor Anne May Mary. To read more about the two big talks coming up in Monmouth's Department of Philosophy and Religious Studies, check out the story in the news section of the Monmouth College website, monmouthcollege.edu news. This is the Monmouth College 1853 podcast, and I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. One of the more popular annual Monmouth lectures will be held this Tuesday, March 26th. 
It's the Wendell Whiteman Memorial Lecture. The annual lecture, which usually spotlights a business leader, will feature a speaker from one of the more exciting new businesses in the region. Andrew Heath is Vice President of International Operations at Jupiter Machine Tool. That's a manufacturing company started last year over in Galesburg. And Andrew will present this year's Whiteman Lecture at 11 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday, March 26, in Dahl Chapel and Auditorium. The event is free and open to the public. As Andrew explains it, Jupiter is a young company with a lot of history behind it. Jupiter Machine Tool is a manufacturing company and we are a total solutions provider, which means we work with customers from any step in the manufacturing process, starting with CAD and product design all the way through quality control and training. We provide manufacturing equipment for cutting metal and we also provide service and support for brands in our industry. Jupiter started last year, but we acquired a company with almost 30 years of existing history in the manufacturing service industry. So we have a deep customer base and we have a large reputation. For Andrew, helping found Jupiter in Galesburg not only leveraged the region's geographic assets, but it also was a chance for his family to have a welcome change of lifestyle. I spent all of my professional career outside of the United States. I was in Japan for two years and then China for 10. After 10 years in China, my wife and I decided we wanted to relocate to the United States so that our child could go to school here. And I wanted to move to a somewhat quieter, cleaner environment. When I was in China, I lived in a city of eight and a half million people, just in a very urbanized area. And we were kind of heading in the opposite direction. Galesburg is home to my business partner, Ray Whitehead, who I met in a trade show in 2016 in our industry. And for manufacturing, Galesburg is nicely positioned right between the two mammoth companies, Caterpillar and John Deere. So there's already a lot of local opportunity, although Jupiter has a national reach. In his upcoming Whiteman lecture, Andrew plans to discuss the role that augmented reality will play in the developing world economy. So in the Whiteman lecture, we want to bring something new to the table, and we are focusing on advanced technology, particularly augmented reality, on manufacturing trends, and on how universities like Monmouth can take advantage of that to create their own space and to position their students to have an impactful career in the emerging economies we see today. Andrew says the future is very bright for augmented reality, which combines a real-world environment with digital images, thus augmenting a user's reality. Augmented reality is, this is going to sound hackneyed, but augmented reality is truly limitless. Right now, augmented reality already has applications in industrial space, particularly with provided guided instructions to people in the field. It is starting to gain traction in the retail corridor. But right now we have a disconnect between the augmented reality technology developers and the potential users. And that's going to be the main theme of my discussion during the Whiteman lecture is how do we create that bridge? How do we unite the potential customer and the provider? And we're going to need an entirely new generation of talented people with a very interdisciplinary skill set that frankly has never been seen before. And Andrew says that a liberal arts college such as Monmouth as a good place for students to prepare for a career in a world that will utilize augmented reality. Liberal arts colleges, I think, are perfect because, first of all, they have a heavy emphasis on general electives, and people tend to overlook the value of that. You are absolutely required to take literature classes and philosophy classes and religion classes and history classes and art classes and things like this, which prepare you to go into the workplace and you have 
a potential meeting of the minds with your customer. But at the same time, once you get into your your major track, typically in your third and fourth year in the college, you can refine, be it the sciences uh, or the arts, into a, a kind of a deeper understanding of where you're going. And oftentimes liberal arts colleges are a stepping stone to graduate schools as well. So I think that that interdisciplinary aspect, whether you actually end up in an interdisciplinary program or not, is very valuable. The other part that is really important is the small class sizes. And that's something that people tend to forget. And being able to sit in a classroom with 8 or 12 or 15 people and have direct access to a PhD professor is incredibly valuable. It is a totally different educational experience than going to a state school, being in a room with 300 people, or worse yet, taking a lecture through video. And you need that connection. You need to be able to have a voice to, to exchange ideas with someone who's been there and done that in order to, to shape your future. That's Andrew Heath. He's Vice President of International Operations at Jupiter Machine Tool in Galesburg. He will give this year's Wendell Whiteman Memorial Lecture. It will be 11 in the morning on Tuesday, March 26, in the Dahl Chapel and Auditorium. The event is free and open to the public, and you can read more about it on the Monmouth College website, monmouthcollege.edu. Before we move into this week's final segment, a reminder of the multitude of ways in which you can follow Monmouth College in the social media spectrum. The college's main Facebook page is facebook.com slash monmouthcollege. The college's main Twitter account is at Monmouth, and you can follow all of Monmouth College athletics on Twitter at MC Fighting Scots. The college is on Instagram at Monmouth College. And if you're on Snapchat, be sure to follow Monmouth College on Snapchat at This Is Monmouth. And for some music that celebrates spring, be sure to check out Monmouth on Spotify for its recommendations. It's been simply a great school year in the Everett Gallery, which is located on the upper level of the Hughes Library. There's been not only a great diversity in the shows on display in the art gallery, but the topics have touched on a number of subjects as well. The current show in the Everett Gallery is called Wild Things, Nature and Social Imagination. It features 14 pieces by University of Nebraska art professor Sandra Williams. The first thing that a viewer notices is that the 14 pieces are composed of paper cuts, as Sandra points out, they also tell a story. Well, they're narrative pieces, so they almost have a storybook feel to them. And what you will see when you come in are, there are two series. One is called the Ukuku, which is a Peruvian folk tale. Um, the translation is the Bear Prince. Um, and then there's another series of paper cuts called Subterranean Fires. And that's about a subterranean fire that's been burning in Ohio for well over a hundred years. Um, there's, uh, there are two small small series from or two small pieces from a series uh, that's about invasive species and then there's sort of a singular piece. The theme of ecotones also runs through Sandra's work that's on display in the Everett Gallery. I'm really interested in the idea of ecotone which is scientifically it's where two different ecosystems meet but I you know like where the prairie meets the forest or you know maybe where the water meets the 
you know, the forest or grasslands or whatever. Um, but I also think of it as sort of a metaphor um, in terms of how we relate to the environment, so human and nature. Sandra says she started to explore creating art with paper cuts when she served as an artist in residence in the Amazon forest with the Amazon Conservation Association. I was at a biological research station um, and it took me three days to get there and I don't think I fully realized what I was doing or where I was going. I had studied, you know, I thought, okay, I know what's going on, but that doesn't really prepare you for this place that you're going to live for two months and it takes you three days to get there because it's so remote. Um, and what one of the, you know, I'd always been a painter, oil paints, and everything that I took with me, like I couldn't leave anything there. Everything I took had to be packed out with me and nothing could be toxic, which takes oil paints right off the table for you then, doesn't it? So I had packed watercolors and I've always done paper cutting to some extent. Uh, and then, you know, it's also, if you're going to make work about nature, can you really use resins and oil paint you know you have to make that change you have to be responsible um, but in another way it's like it's so simple can I do this but it, I think we put a lot of rules on ourselves no matter what your profession is it's like who made that rule you you know there's nothing saying that you can't do that that's Sandra Williams of the University of Nebraska her show, which you don't want to miss, is called Wild Things, Nature and Social Imagination, and it runs through April 7 in the Everett Gallery, which of course is located on the upper level of the Hughes Library. And that's going to be a 30 for this 24th edition of Monmouth College's 1853 podcast of the 2018-19 school year. I hope you've enjoyed this program. Tell us what you think by firing off an email to us at news at Monmouth College. Be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Until our next edition, this is Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody, and have a nice day.